Thanks. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, we have a fun one today. I'm Jose, if we haven't met, and uh, we're in a series called Learning to Lead. And this is one of the thrilling things I've been waiting for for a long time. We're looking at a letter, uh, the letter of First Timothy, from an older leader, experienced leader in the faith, to a younger leader in the faith. And we're trying to see from that ancient letter what it means for us to follow the way of Jesus and grow in our influence. And so one of the things we plan in the middle of the series is to take some time and hear real stories of people who are leaders in their sphere of influence, whether it's in business or school or anything else. And over the next three weeks, we're going to look not necessarily at 1 Timothy verse by verse, which we've been doing and will continue to do. But the Word of God is active and it's alive in the lives of people. And so today and over the next two Sundays, we want to see how the Word of God has led people into spheres of influence in their world as Jesus followers. So uh, I'm delighted this morning to invite a friend of mine who's going to be sharing. And then I'm going to come back and we're going to do some Q&A and kind of learn what it means to follow Jesus and be an influencer for good. Uh, Martin Dom, I'm going to invite you to come. Why don't you welcome Martin as he comes to the stage. Hey, sir. I'll let you get your stuff settled. Um, well, just a couple of things that uh, to get us going. Um, you're going to be sharing in a minute, but tell us a little bit, Martin, about your uh, family life. Your, some of your family's here. Yeah, I'm, I'm married. I have three kids. The special thing about our families is we live in two continents. I have two boys living in Germany at the moment. I have one daughter living here in the United States. I have me and my wife trying to live on the same continent at the same time, yes, which this does is, not work out all the time. It's yeah, called learning it, to lead. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, that's what it is. And so you got, where'd you pick up the cool accent? <laughs> I watched, I'm saying what they're I've, thinking. I watched a lot of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. That's what I, I figured. A, when I was I knew a kid. It. And, I knew it. and that had a huge influence. So don't let your kids watch Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator okay. movies too early. They might end up with, you know, like, this, let your chopper down. Yeah, let's, okay. See. Ne and everyone's going to be on Netflix this afternoon. <laughs> Thanks to you. Go Arnold. Okay, so uh, obviously born and raised in Germany. Yes. And you work with uh, a company that has a huge presence in the Portland area. Who do you work for? Yeah, we, uh, uh, I work for Daimler Trucks North America. Trucks with a T. Yeah, not with a D. That's always my biggest problem coming into the country. When the guy at immigration asks me, what are you doing? And I say, I'm in drugs. And, and he might... <laughs> He might get it wrong. Yeah, so, so this is uh, so trucks, you know, but the real big ones, you know. Uh, uh, trucks, not drugs. Yeah, trucks, okay. but real big trucks. Yeah. Okay. Freight Fre uh, Liner <laughs> is our major brand, but it's Western Star, it's Detroit Diesel, it's Thomas Built School Buses, right. it's FCCC. So it's a lot of brands. It's a lot in, of them. And yeah. now you, you've done that, you've been with the company how long? I'm with, with Daimler, which is 100% mother company of Daimler Trucks North America. I'm since 32 years. Okay, 32 years. You, you led North America, and now you're in a new position. Uh, yes, I was for eight years CEO of Daimler Trucks North America, but now I got promoted and became my own boss. Now I run the 
global Daimler trucks operation, which has operations nearly everywhere. Two countries you're missing. No, I, 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 I found okay. a third one. So okay. I, when, when Jose prepared for that, I said, we're, we're everywhere in the world except Venezuela and North Korea. But I forgot Iran. We just, okay. we just pulled out of Iran uh, because of the recent sanctions. We have two factories there, but we pulled out of Iran, so it's three countries. Actually. So you're in every country minus three. How many employees... You're on the, the board for Daimler Global. So how many employees worldwide? So Daimler Trucks employs 95,000 roundabout. It's somewhere between 90 and 95. Right. Hello. <laughs> so what we're going to do is, thank you, Martin. Um, how long have you been a part of the church, 26 West? Couple oh, 26 years? West, I would say now in three years, but we are since nine years with nine a solid, years. With a solid we went, went to Westside, you know, it's the same story, we like everyone here in the room, you always know, start, well, it's with the summit the room, you yes. know, you started at Westside, but at one started point Started at Solid Rock, Solid yeah. Rock, Sunset, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so. Sunset at Jesus Church, 26 West, yeah. same so. family, four names. Good, good, yeah, same family, four names, yeah. four years, three years, you yeah. know. Are we good at branding? No, Don't answer that question. This would be a different one. The Germans are always honest and straight. No. <laughs> With that in mind, <laughs> welcome sharing about leadership, Martin Dom. <laughs> so, when Jose asked me to talk about leadership, I said, why is this a Sunday morning issue? Until I realized it's really big, and it's big in the Bible, all over the place. You know, it's all over the place about leadership. Why? Because we people don't come alone. We live in groups. And if you have two guys together, I mean, they have two possibilities. Imagine two donkeys going in different ways. You know, that means no movement at all. Or the stronger pulls a little bit the weaker ones, which is just the difference in strengths between the two. Have two horses going in the same direction. They can pull double the load. Why do we use donkeys if the stupid thing is done and horses if the good thing is done? I don't know. That's prejudice. I don't want now a donkey movement. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. It's about us. If we pull apart, nothing matters. If we go in the same direction, a lot matters. Therefore, leadership is in the Bible always very, very important. Before I start, there are three myths I want to bust. Number one, and that was something even I had to learn, is you do a speech about leadership in front of Daimler senior executives, it's completely different if you do that in a high school and talk to, to kids running science projects, uh, or you talk to church leaders, or you talk a congregation like here. That was at least two or three years ago what I would have thought. And we had, in, uh, three years ago, we had in Di inside Daimler a huge global activity where we had people from everywhere in the world pulling together to come up with what would be a good corporate culture, leadership culture, people would like to thrive. And I thought, this is honestly, uh, and I don't know a good word which I can say on a Sunday here up from, speech, uh, from, from stage from that, it was not good. Any I, I, I thought this was a waste of time, waste of resources, waste of energy. Until one of the guys from Portland who was in this group came back and said, Martin, you are completely wrong. Whether you're a Ch Chinese worker or a German board member or a North American executive or a Brazilian salesperson or an Indian programmer or whoever in the world, whatever function, whatever region, whatever stage of life, what motivates people and what frustrates people is universal. And I thought, yes. 
guy, you are right, because this is exactly what, what, the, what the Christian faith is. There's not a Bible for Americans. There's not a Bible for, for elderly white men like me, you know, and then a Bible for young kids. And because why? There's just one Bible, because what motivates us and what frustrates us is universal. So there's no special leadership talk to special audiences. Second myth is, what are you talking about leadership? Leadership is something for this upper 1% of the, of the food chain. I'm just a normal worker bee. I'm just a normal person. I definitely don't lead, and by the way, I don't want to. Yeah? Uh, this is wrong. Everyone here in the room is a leader. You lead a family. You lead the, a group preparing a party. You are a leader of a house church community. You are a leader of a project in your school, in your neighborhood, uh, in your workplace. I mean, there is a lot of leadership situations. And if you think you're not a leader, then you're at least a leader of your kids because you need to lead your kids to a good life. So leadership is universal, as people are universal. And now comes the third myth. And this is especially in corporate ranks often a big one. It's a, people think leadership comes with, is a privilege. No, leadership is a responsibility. And the more to lead, the bigger the rep responsibility gets. There is a job to be done. You know, there is, if you do a mistake, a lot of people suffer. If you're in a big position, it gets even worse. And I tell you, for me, the, the, when I became now the CEO of the CEOs of the Daimler truck world, it was the very first time in my life that I didn't have a boss anymore. And that was a frightening idea. Because so far, it was always good, even if I have a crazy idea, you had always someone who controls you. And suddenly, this someone is gone, so it's just you until I realized. And this is good that you're a Christian leader. You still have a boss. And that's God. Yeah? So you are not the, the pyramid of the, of the food chain. Yeah? So you have someone, you have this controlling instrument where you have, can unload some of your responsibility, ask for advice, and ask for, <clears throat> for support. So what does it take to become a good leader? A big corporation has a huge advantage over any church, Jose, or house church community, because we can even delegate stuff. We can even delegate leadership tasks. We can afford a CEO, while if you run a, a, a house church or a community, you have to be caretaker, facilitator, and CEO in one person. We would never do that in a big corporation. We would just segregate the duties and delegate things. So when I look at the corporation, we have layer over layer over layer. And that's not because we are dumb or we are old or we are old-fashioned. It's just because we are so huge. If you run a, a, a corporation with 95,000 people, you need some kind of organization because one single person can't talk to 95,000. One single person can't take care of 95,000 people. So you have that hierarchy. When I look at the hierarchies, for me, every hierarchy needs certain skill sets, and it accumulates. As higher you come, as more you have. It doesn't, nothing goes away, but other things add on top of that hierarchy. So it's always important if you promote people that you look, not are they just good on the current level, do they have it in it for the next level? And the good thing is because there are very few people in the room which are in these huge mega uh, global conglomerates, you're all more leaders of small groups, you need to have everything. Yeah? While in, in a big corporation you can say, okay, I'm enough with this level. You have to memorize everything. So I came up with several layers in our company. A junior executive at Daimler needs to form great performing teams. Very important task. 
very difficult because no one educates you in that. When I was promoted junior executive, it was because I was a really great in analyzing balance sheets. I can go through business plans and then tell, just reading through, speed reading through, and said, hey, the market assumption of page five does not fit with the revenue projections on page 20. And by the way, that does not work out on 25 when you look at long-term uh, corporate value. Yeah, I was able to do that in half an hour, and that promoted me to junior executive position, where I had to run a 40-people accounting department, where everyone hated each other. I was not prepared for that situation. <laughs> and still today, I, 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 I don't know what motivated the company to promote me, yeah, because reading, speed reading balance sheets does not help you at all building teams. You know what helped me? That I did youth group in church. Nothing is a more difficult leadership situation than youth group. <laughs> you can't punish those kids. They will go away or mom and dad will come and punish you. <laughs> you have very little reward because the budgets are always pretty small. So you have to care for them. You have to figure out what motivates them. You have, to figure, you have to create a common course where they follow. Yeah, to have an exciting youth group behind you. This qualifies you for a corner office job. <laughs> yeah, very good training count. So, lowest level, form a great team. Next level, director level. Connect to the outside world, connect to other teams, which normally brings conflict with it. Yeah? So solve those conflicts in a positive way. This is next level. Next level above, <clears throat> is, and this is a very important one, is never get frustrated. General managers in our company, I always tell them, if someone gets promoted and he's always done, he thought he gets now a huge pay raise and really gets important, I say, no, you just forfeited the right to be frustrated. Frustrated about unclear directions, frustrated about a not motivational boss, frustrated about lack of resources, frustrated about curveballs coming from left and right uh, and spoiling your plans you have not the right to be frustrated. Because if you are frustrated, 250 people below you are frustrated, and we can't afford that. You need to be motivating. You have this despite attitude. I do it despite. Yeah? And that is very important for any leadership situation we are in, in any of our lives. We need that support. And we say, and hey, and who motivates me? Again, the Christian response is fairly easy. It's God who motivates you. Yeah? You can always turn to him and ask for this inner strength, for this motivation. Don't get frustrated. Next level, this is potentially typical Daimler, it's VP, it's a VP level, get the resources to make your area successful. And in our company, that's huge. If you develop a new engine, it's 1.5 billion in funding. You have to get first, 1.5 million are not just around the corner. You have to fight for that. You have to get the right people. Yeah? You have to get, you get the, the right infrastructure. Those are all basic tasks. So get the right resources uh, to make your area successful. Next view, the CEO, is you need to have a long view. In my old job at, at Freightliner, I was, when people asked me about uh, what, what I'm working yet now at that time, point of time, I was already working beyond 2019. I couldn't do anything anymore for 18. 18 was done. Every, every truck was sold. You know, every, every, every decision was made. Every project was launched. You have to have this very, very long-term view. So this is the CEO level. Now, 
I got a promotion, what's now my job, because I gave every important part already away to all the other guys. So I have nothing or I have all. On the one side I have all, but on the other side there comes one important issue on top of it. It's a knowledge of the dependency you have on all others. You can't do it alone. A great leader, the worst leaders are the one, I'm the best, you are an idiot, yeah? Because if you are the best, you would be on my job. But, yeah? And that's my attitude. And imagine you work for someone like that. No. Great leaders understand completely how dependent they are on so many jobs. And there are so many jobs in our company I could never, ever do. I just, a couple of years ago, I was walking through one of our paint shops in the factory, and there was one guy who looks at the paint and that the paint is really without immatriculate. No, no faults. Yeah, difficult word. Yeah, so really picture-perfect paint, and he crawls over that thing and he has samples. This is okay and this is not okay. And I thought, my goodness, I couldn't do that for 10 minutes. <laughs> Oof, I would declare everything okay. <laughs> or build a new paint shop. Uh, but this is a tool and it's an important job because customers love good paint when they get a new, new, new vehicle. So the, and there are many other jobs in the company I couldn't do. And you have to realize that, that you are dependent on other people's excellence. And I would say this is the ultimate job of a good leader. Now, to become a good leader, <clears throat> a good friend of mine once described it and says, the, the quality of your leadership depends of the decision you make and the influence you have. The decision part is easy. That's a lot about knowledge. Knowledge can be learned. I'm 59 years old. Guys, good, good, uh, good news for you. You can still learn at that age. If you don't know everything, it's not too late. You can always continue to learn. And I, and I think if I ask the occasional 60-year-old, one is nodding here, yeah, you still can continue to learn. So good news, even one more year for me to learn, at least. <laughs> yeah? And uh, so you can lifelong learning. Uh, several times when we're going to promote someone, uh, it, you get someone presented and they tell you, great leader, great character, but he lacks experience in vocational business, and we want him for a vocational manager. And my response normally to that is, if this is all he's lacking, wonderful. He can learn that on the fly. There are certain jobs where you need a little bit more in-depth. If you have a lawyer or a tax, a tax advisor, he should know a little bit more about tax code and not just learning on the job. But, but for most of the jobs, I would say, learning is the easier part. To get the, re the relative knowledge is important. And by the way, you are always in a trade which which serves uh, you know, your, your, your interests and where you have some already some pre-learnings in it, you're in an area where you are generally interested in it. So you, you avoid normally the businesses you have no clue about and, and you don't like to be in. So the knowledge part is fairly easy. But the influence you have, that is when character comes in. A far worse decision is when you, when you promote someone in a company and the message is, he's an absolutely great expert, but he lacks leadership skills. He lacks character, even worse. That is when you should put a stop into it. We not, not often do that because we value expertise a lot. So character is important. 
But what forms character? And here comes in a lot of things where I would say, as a Christian leader, I have a lot of help through my faith. Because a lot of the basic Christian principles are very good leadership principles as well. So sometimes people ask me, how can you be, as a Christian, be a senior executive of a huge global company? And my answer usually is, how, how, can, how can I be a leader of a huge global company without being a Christian? Because there's so much help in basic Christian principles. Because the one principle is, you know, it's focus on the individual. Yeah? It's really the single person count. Biggest mistake in corporate world is you count people in numbers. I have 25 heads. Normally, you're not any longer called people, you're called head, you know, head count, dong, 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 dong. Yeah? This is like a quantity, you know, it's like, it's like buckets of paint or so, yeah? Uh, they come with a cost, yeah? people, wa costs walk in on two, on two feet, you know, this is one of these other uh, bad corporate talk about people. No, this is wrong. People are individuals. And if you don't see behind your decisions, the individual person, with her, her or his needs, then it's a trouble. I always tell people, if we as senior management do a huge mistake, we have to close factories where 800 families are without, without money afterwards and have difficulties paying their rent while we get, uh, if everything comes out, a, a good severance check or even a bonus for doing that. Yeah? This is wrong. We have to care for the need of the individual. With every decision, we have to look at that individual person and recognize that. One big principle, totally Christian. Second principle is, in our today's world, we immediately rank people. Whether they can sing or they can't sing, whether they can play sports or can't play sports. You know, one of the, one of the uh, bad experiences for my youth was, when, when we were in, in high school dividing kids up in Germany, you play soccer in soccer team, you know, so, so two were, so the two best guys were coming up and then they, they, they start picking, you know, and at the end, there were always three guys left, you take the rest, and I was part of that, this really, really, you know how it ended, you know, you were always on that, just take them, yeah, don't know what, what to do with them, but just take them, yeah. We solved that, by the way, that I took one. There was another guy who was always late last, like me too, and I said, hey, why we, we start selecting the teams, yeah? And that means the two stars of the, and, and we made the deal with the two stars that from time to time they can play together, they don't are just on opposing teams. So at the end, we were selecting the teams, which was just taking the food chain around. This leadership too, yeah? <laughs> but coming back, this is ranking. This is an easier ranking in high school when it's about soccer or singing. In our today's world, it's normally money. And you rank people immediately by money. And that has a huge impact. Because there are people you are on eye level. And there are people you're looking up. And there are people you're looking down. And that is not good. And it comes always in pairs. If you look up, you look down as well. If you look up, then you want to get up so you can look down on more. And this is wrong. This is absolutely not godlike. For God, every single person is equal. There are good drivers and bad drivers, and there are good board members and bad board members, and about the same percentage, and I don't talk to the, tell you the percentage. Yeah? 
But why? Because what motivates, what frustrates people is ununiversal, and what makes people great character, and what makes people fail, bad character, is universal as well. And it's not linked to a paycheck, it's not linked on the, on, on, on the hierarchy. Yeah? So you have to look absolutely on eye level with everyone else. Not being afraid, not being submissive on, on someone else, but being not bullying on anyone else. We are one. Yeah, God looks to us in eye level. Because if God would look in a hierarchy, oh my goodness, yeah, there would be him and then the little ants on planet Earth, yeah, which is as important as any ant we have. Ant, E-A-N-T, yeah, not A-U-N-T, E-N-T. Yeah, with, with, my, with my accent, it's sometimes difficult to get the story around. Yeah? So eye level is important. You know, take, and, and this is a huge reward. If you start taking people serious and people feel really like accepted as a person or not just drained by salary, that is huge reward. And you get a lot of motivation out of it. Next one is there are a lot of Christian values. If you looked in today's corporate world, everything, when you talk about values and integrity, you are right down to Bible. Trust, truth, honesty, loyalty. Sounds old-fashioned, yeah? But if this is what your customers, what your employees, what your boss, what your stakeholders ultimately want. They don't want the difference. They, f they are afraid of the difference. And they pay myriads of lawyers and accountants and auditors to make sure that you live up the values, which are for free in the Bible. So Christian values, extremely important. Everyday live. And combined with another Christian good principle, we know the difference between right and wrong. A lot of the worldly issue is, if I don't get caught, I can do it. Wrong. It's this inner thing. You know you can't betray the Lord. You know, nobody might see it. Nobody, you might have this murky excuse uh, why to do things. Wrong. In the Christian world, God looks into the heart. God knows your inner motivation. He knows your inner feelings. You have that inner moral compass which helps you to live out what is right. And, was, what is, <clears throat> and what is wrong. This is, these are fundamental Christian things. And then comes on top something which is very important, which is, in my opinion, in the ungodly world, often missing. That's the power of a new start. We call that in Christian life, we call that forgiveness. I would say the biggest mistake we do in the corporate world is we don't forgive. You cost me two years ago, now it's payback time. Sorry, you sit in the front row. Yeah, so, so. <laughs> you didn't. Yeah? Yeah? I, yeah? So, 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 the forgiveness is a very, very important one. This, and forgiveness means for me ultimately fresh start. And then comes always, oh, this is cheap. Then everyone can do you everything and you just forgive. No, biblical forgiveness is not cheap. You know, we have, we have repentance and we have. To, to really change our lives is important, you know? It's really, I feel sorry, I won't do it again, yeah? These are the basics of forgiveness. It's not, I failed, forgive me, and I fell again, forgive me. Yeah? This is not Christian forgiveness. Yeah? Christian forgiveness is deep repentance and a change of life. But if you see repentance and if you see change of life, then give everyone the chance of a new start. With those principles, it starts getting easy to become a good leader and have an influence. So you're not just doing great decisions, but you have a great influence to push your decisions through. Because that is all what's about leadership. You set the tone. This is where the responsibility part from the beginning comes in again. 
you set the tone where others follow. As higher you're up, as bigger the group, as more the responsibility, because the tone comes always from the top. It's very difficult to change a group from the inside against the leader. It's always the leader who sets the tone. Which on the other side is so intriguing for us here in the room, if we go out and become leaders in our little environment, we can set tone, we can make a difference. And, I, and, and I've seen it over and over, similar teams, sim same location, same function, same area. Great leader here, bad leader here. Very highly effective, good functional team, really bad team. If I look in my huge area of responsibility at something which is not working, you normally go up the ladder until you find the reason. You never find the reason on the bottom. You find it somewhere. And then you have to deal with this. Deal with either education, development, forgiveness, fresh start, or deal with it with this fundamental change. Because you can't change this area if you don't change the top. You set, as a leader, always a tone of the area where you are responsible for. And therefore, leadership is so important. And therefore, it's so much talk about in the Bible about leadership. And therefore, Jesus is so much about, and Paul is so much about, good leaders running a church. And I want you, wish you that you will be good leaders in the upcoming week, wherever God puts you in a leadership position. Thank you. Man, that was good. <laughs> I could listen. I could listen to you, Arnold, all day long. <laughs> um, uh, we, we, you know, for some of us, German isn't the first language, and so the beauty is we do have a podcast, and we'll be posting on a video on YouTube channel, so you can just dissect that a little bit more in intake. I just want to co go over a couple of things to build on what you were saying, setting the tone, because some of us are saying, as a Christian, how can I do that? Give us one. I have one example in mind, and maybe you can elaborate. You built a new corporate headquarters mm -hmm. uh, on, in North Portland. Yep. And maybe two areas to elaborate. The environment. You did something about that building, thinking about the, the city that we live in, and the location of the CEO's office. Okay. And if you don't give the answer, I will for you. Okay. And you can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We, we had, for, for years, we had the plans to do a new corporate headquarter, and finally we had the funds, 2014 or so, to start really an absolutely, for me, best location in the Daimler world. So it's the location I really love to work in. Why? Because when we, when we start working, we wanted to make an open building that supports and enhances communication, which is open to the outside, so we have the atrium, is open to everyone, so we have the, the, the closed-off areas put uh, pretty much back. We opened the riverfront so people can walk by. Yeah? So really, we wanted to connect with the outside world and have this, take this spirit in, you know, from uh, into the company that we are open, that we are communicative, that we are working together. When we were talking about, I mean, it's a nine, we have, we have nine floors going up, or ten, even ten floors, the, the, the U.S. counting, it's ten, we have ten floors. Um, uh, it was clear, President CEOs goes in the tenth floor, and then I overheard debates, who is the second most important department in the company going in floor number nine? I thought, this is, this is BS. Yeah. Am I allowed to say BS? <laughs> <laughs> I'll let your mind wander. Okay, okay. We, we don't, forgive me, I'm foreigner. Maybe not. Yeah, so, so, it was not a good idea. So, better? Yeah. So, it was not a good idea. Uh, and it wasn't beautifully smart. Yeah. It wasn't beautifully smart. Right. So. 
So I said, I go in the sixth floor. Why? Because as a CEO, I want to be in the middle of the company and not in the, in the, on, on the top of it, but I want to be in the middle of the company. And suddenly, it was more the question, who is going to the top floor? Nobody wanted anymore to go to the top floor. <laughs> yeah? well, so we put sales on the top floor because the customers now have the nice view. Yeah. So that's right. And so what about just the materials in the building? You really took care to make it not just a building, but something that's careful about the environment. Yeah, uh, we, we had it LEED Platinum certified, right. which, was, which was some extra amounts, but which today really uh, supports you know, the, the, the climate inside as well. So we have, we have solar, so the, the air condition is solely powered by the solar one. We have a, a green wall in the, in the atrium, you know, where the plants inside create good, good, good atmosphere. So we, we, we did a lot of stuff to really get it, uh, let's say, environmentally protective to have, to have really good stewardship with the resources we have here. And it's a, if you, not that I'm inviting the whole church, but if you ever want to go and have coffee there, it actually, the first floor yeah. is open to yeah. the public and the view of the waterfront is beautiful. And the coffee is good. And the coffee is good. Although, don't say Martin sent you and you'll yeah. ask for a freebie. That won't work. All right. Um, a, a couple more things. The scriptures, as a leader and as just Jesus followers, we see the Bible as not just an ancient book, but we see it as life-giving. What are you doing to keep yourself thinking about what God has said? Just give us a little bit, maybe in the last few years, about your rhythm in the Bible and what it means to you. I mean, I, it took me 58 years to realize that regularly reading the Bible is important for your daily mindset. And I was always trying to read through the Bible uh, with these Bible reading plans. And normally you start in January 1, and in a good year you come to February 2, and or <laughs> in a bad year it's pretty busy after January 6. Um, so, so I never made it through until new technology, uh, app on my, on my iPhone, Bible in one year, really absolutely amazing. Uh, you get these red dots, and I'm a guy who, res who, who responds to red dots. It's I don't, the balance sheet yeah, thing. Yeah. The I don't want sheet. the red dots, you know, so, so if you miss a day, you still have the red dot from the previous day, so you have to, at the moment I'm about three days behind. That's okay. Uh, 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 but but I'll, I'll be there at December 31st, yeah? So, <laughs> And what I really like, I mean, it's an Old Testament, it's a, it's a psalm, it's something from the New Testament, and it's beautiful, uh, beautifully combined by Nick Gimbel, the guy who developed the Alpha uh, course, who beautifully uh, combines it with a really good explanation. And, and sometimes you read the Bible, and then you read the explanation and say, hey, was it really in the Bible? And he repeats it, and then you go back and say, oh, really? And you have must, you overread that verse, and so he, re, he reminds you, so you get it a second reminder of it. Very good. Or really recommendable, you know, January 1st is coming in a couple of days. So uh, good, yeah. good possibility to start. Bible in one year, free app, download, Gong, you get, and you get it every, every, no, only by, slice by slice. So January 1st is nice, you have no red dot. You know, January 2, you have one. Yeah, uh, I'll, so. I'll give you the trick, too. For those, of you, you, for those of you with a guilt trip, you could actually turn the days off so you don't feel like you're less than. You could just work. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not going to show you No, 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 no. We want to motivate them getting through the year. Yes, sir. Yeah. At least the ones who respond to red dots in this room. Yeah? Yes. 
And so for you, the you blue dot it. people, <laughs> calm down, keep reading. All right, all right, enough about that. Okay, you've been, I love your honesty, which is just so fun to talk. Uh, community life, we're following Jesus together. Teams are about togetherness. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, it's a challenge. I mean, yeah. you, they literally live in two places. You live in Germany, and you live here, and you mostly live on an airplane to one of your global yeah. uh, meetings. Um, give us a little bit about Jesus' friends. You know, you have people who love Jesus. For someone who says, well, you know, I love Jesus. I'm trying to grow as a leader, but I feel I'm, I'm more going alone. What would you say about the influence of people in church, in, in your life, the daily life? When I look at my life back at the time when we were more in a permanent state, uh, house church was very important, you know, to have those guys where you can share your, your, your daily ups and downs, share with them their daily ups and downs, share a meal, which I think it's always perfect, you know, nothing, nothing beats sitting around the dinner table and talk for two hours about everything in life, uh, and then pray with each, with each other. Now, in this more vagabond life, uh, good friends are important, and good friends are that stay even if you are not there for, for two or three uh, weeks. And, and, and I have a lot out of every stage of my life. I still remember, uh, certainly my friends here in Portland, uh, uh, but I, I still have contact I had when I was in high school. I have a, a Christian teacher, and he was really very influential. He had a Bible study uh, as a teacher when we were in high school. And he's now 77, and we still are in contact. And we might not see us for two years, but the moment we see us, we can talk for two days without. It's really great. And he's a really good, good guy, very good mentor for me in, in my early years, very good friend and sharing now in both directions. I talk with him, he talks with me, really great guy. But uh, you need those guys through all your stages of life. Yeah, the importance of friendship. All right, one last question. Uh, Jesus. Uh, we look to him because he's not just the savior, but he's, he's our example. Is there a thing about Jesus uh, and his style of leadership, some, the way he acted, the way he spoke, that has been helpful to you just in your regular business dealings? Is there some aspect of Jesus? Um, I mean, he's God, uh, so we looked him for everything, but is there some dimension of Jesus that's been particularly helpful or challenging for you as a Christian leader? I mean, this is now going for the real big price. I mean, on the one side, what sometimes helps me is he got angry when he drove the dealers out of the temple. So that helps me sometimes when I get angry. I would say that the task is not that honest, uh, moving dealers out of temples. Yeah, but uh, sometimes if you see uh, things going really, really wrong, especially if it goes wrong with other people, you can really get me real angry, and I might drive you out of the company because I'm not tolerating that. Uh, but it's not that that I take this from Jesus as the main thing. I would say the main thing is really his serving uh, character when he came. Uh, this uh, he could be uh, he could have been the ruler of the world. You know, he could have really overthrown every army legion, every uh, every Pharisees committee. Yeah, he has more knowledge, more power than anyone else. But he decided to really go the serving way, and this is something which you get reminded as a leader every day. You serve. You have a responsibility to carry, not a privilege to live. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well said. Uh, I'll give one personal example. You can rebuke me later. I happen to be in, um, I was at, in Germany, and um, 
at your level, you, they, they provide a driver to take you to and from the office. And I was impacted just in two days by um, Martin's driver's bewilderment, if I can use that, at how kind his boss is and caring about his life. And so whether you're a CEO or you have a, a couple of young kids and you're trying to figure them out, seeing the servant attitude really made an impact on him and how he sees what a Christian looks like in his own workplace, which is so well done on just uh, being a normal Christian who loves Jesus with the ups and downs. Martin Dom. Should I do Yeah. Now am I in trouble? Are you going to kick me out of the company? No, no, okay. no, no. You know what, what really bewildered Harold my driver? Yeah. That the weird guy he was driving is actually a pastor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you elaborate later. <laughs> we didn't have a good time. Um, well, why don't, why don't we do this? Weird means normal. Yeah, let's, um, let's, I want to pray. I want us to pray not just for ourselves. We're going to we're going to move towards uh, worship. Today is Baptism Sunday, so we're going to celebrate people who I know of two, but you may be here as well, and you may be included in that, who've chosen to follow the way of Jesus, who've received his forgiveness, and who want to publicly say, I am one of his followers. Uh, if you're new here, if since trusting in Jesus, you've not yet gone in the waters and out, that is the, the number one way that we as Jesus followers begin that path. So if you've not yet been baptized in water during worship, you can you can join those who, and, and Brandon will lead us, and he'll open the tables to communion. And when people are moving, you can go towards um, the baptismal, and one of our leaders will pray with you, and we'll, we'd love to baptize you in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to ask us to stand to our feet, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for Martin uh, as we pray for ourselves. You are a leader, as he said, and you have influence, which is very true. And we just happen to have a friend in our family here who's been given an opportunity to serve 95, give or take, thousand people around the world. And so we want to pray God's blessing and that as Jesus is working through us for, for five or three or 20 or 100, that God would continue to give him wisdom for multiplied thousands all over the world. Uh, let's, uh, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for Martin. We thank you for Karen, for their children for their life, for their dependence on you. And God, we look to you um, as our source and strength. Lord, feed them as they're living on two continents and dealing with the tension of travel and responsibility that's never ending. I thank you, Lord, that you never bring us to a place where we don't need you. So God, you've, you've given them an opportunity to be dependent on you for day-to-day -day guidance and wisdom and strength and direction. And so we pray blessing over them. We pray blessing over not only their work life, but their home life. Lord, that the times with friends, whether in Germany or here or in some other continent, would be rich. That you'd surround them with men and women who love you and follow you to continue to encourage them in the way. That you keep them from the work of the evil one that wants to steal and kill and destroy and get us apart from you. And we pray blessing not only over them, but over the company and the work of their hands. May 95,000 plus families be blessed by you, Lord Jesus. May they somehow discover your love and use them as two examples who demonstrate it day to day. We pray these things in the strong and beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Martin. We love you, brother. We love you. Thank you.